and welcome to another episode of the Audaciousness Podcast with me, Helen Strong. And me, Maribel Ortega. In this podcast, we showcase individuals who have set themselves bold and audacious goals and have worked to achieve them with the aim of inspiring others to also set themselves audacious goals and to create a positive movement in the world. We'd like to highlight the fact that even regular people like you and me can have audacious goals and that role models are in fact all around us. Each and every one of us can have an impact in some way. Thank you for listening. We're delighted to have you with us. So Helen, tell us about the guests we're going to hear from today. Yes, we're going to hear from a German lady called Susanna Hilmer, who lives life, shall I say, on the road. It's a nomadic lifestyle. And what she does, she's a professional house sitter. So she goes from house to house, living in, yeah, in other people's houses, although she does have a house in Germany. Um, she was living in a camper van in Spain, actually, when I met her. But as we'll find out um, in this podcast, she has lived in, in many different places as part of her nomadic lifestyle. And I met Susanna in an online group of people who are interested in living off grid, um, so, you know, producing our own energy or sourcing or local food or even growing our own food. And that was that's the interest that we have. So we're in this off grid group together. And when I find, found out about Susanna's lifestyle, I thought this sounds pretty audacious. Let's get her on the podcast. And so Susanna agreed to talk to us. Yeah, audacious she is indeed. Let's listen to the interview with Susanna Hilmer now and then come back in half an hour to talk about what we learned. So here's Susanna Hilmer. We hope you enjoy the interview. Hello, Susanna, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us for our podcast, Audaciousness. Now, when I met you, which was just a few months ago in winter time in the Northern Hemisphere here, you were living in a camper van in Spain, which I thought was really quite cool and actually quite audacious, an audacious thing to do in this modern society, I think. And then as I got to know you a little bit more, I learned that you actually live quite a nomadic lifestyle anyway, that you have lived in other locations and, and traveled around. So I wonder if you could say something about, give us a little rundown, a brief history of your life. Um, and in particular, about the places that you've lived and some of the audacious things that you've done there. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> nice to meet you here. Yeah, I'd like to answer that. Yeah, well, I'm, I think I have this nomadic gene into my blood, <laughs> even though I'm German. Um, I decided very early that I want to be a travel agent. So my first job was actually being a travel agent. And then in the 90s, I was working for an airline and I could travel for free. At these times, we were able to travel everywhere we wanted to. We had free tickets. Anyway, this was in a way, you know, kind of my lifestyle getting into some years behind that. So I got self-employed in 2003 and then I had some years no money. I couldn't travel really very much. I had to stay in my home. Um, I was working, living at that time in Munich. And then 2015, my business changed. So I changed. I developed my business into a digital business, like online trainings. And people were looking at me and saying, oh, how can you do online trainings? You have, you're, normally you stand in front of people and say, oh, well, I want to change it. I want to travel again. 
And then I did still didn't have all the money that you need for long heel travel, going abroad for a long time. So I, I met a friend of mine and she was going to a world trip for a year. And she told me that she did house sitting and said, what's that? <laughs> Never heard about that one. And especially not in Germany. And she said, well, you know, I look after others people, houses and animals when they're on holiday and said, oh, that's cool. I'd love that. I love animals. So I'm pretty brave. So why not? So I and, and asked her, well, how can I do that? And she said, well, you have to do some research. At that time, it was really difficult. It was 2014 or 15. And then I found some pages and I started to build up a profile. I was professional anyway in, in online networking. So it was not difficult for me to find my marketing strategy for having a profile as a house sitter so that was quite okay and I started to apply and said well first thing I want to do I want to go far far away <laughs> as far as I can so I went to Australia had my first house sit in 2015 in Australia on the east coast and um, well as a house sitter you make a lot of experience and uh, the first thing I found out is like working at night is not my thing <laughs> because my customers in Germany they were definitely not this time schedule like in, in Australia so I said oh maybe I have to move from the east coast to the west coast so the next winter I, I started house sitting in Perth and then <clears throat> it was always difficult because without a car in Australia you're lost so I said oh how can I get a car so I had to apply for house sits with big dogs because then they gave me a car <laughs> to move the dog to the beach or to the park or whatever so oh, then I was dependable dependent on cars uh, not a good idea and then I think three years later somebody just gave me his car for free so uh, what yeah you can leave you can keep it I don't need it anymore here you are you have a car so I had a car in Australia so and I started professionally doing house sitting there in winter times. So, um, built up my network, um, applied to a lot of house sits. I had many, many house sits in Australia. Uh, a lot of catastrophes I had to deal with. <laughs> not only nice dogs, not only nice houses, not only nice experiences. A lot of bullshit you have to deal with, actually. And then, um, well, to 19, I came back to Germany saying, ah, okay. Or maybe I have enough from my apartment. I just sell it. <laughs> and after 20 years, I sold my apartment. Then, okay, that's it. I don't know. It's just a feeling thing. It was never a plan. It was never in my itinerary saying I, I sell my property. But I just couldn't stand it anymore. It was after Australia and the winters there. It was so narrow, so small. So, ugh, no, I couldn't do this anymore. I sold it. And then in 2019, I said, okay, before I go to Australia, back to my car and my house sits. I go to India, do a little bit, you know nice treatments over there and Ayurvedic treatments. And then I went to Australia and had some wonderful house sits there. And then COVID hit me, not me personally, but I was hit in Australia and that was not the best thing to, to be at that time. People got crazy. They locked their doors. All hotels were closed. Everything was closed. No campgrounds, nothing. I didn't know where to go. I was pushed out of the houses from one minute to the other. I, I was not able to leave the country. The airport was closed. Well, uh, that's a new challenge, <laughs> but happily I had some German friends over there. After four winters in a row, you, you, made, you, you meet people and you made friends and they helped me out. And then I found an apartment to rent. And then I was thinking, oh, well, probably I'm not able to go back to Australia for a short period of time. So maybe a longer period, I might have to buy a camper van. And it was overnight. I can tell you, I just, you know, went into the internet and the next day I bought a camper van. The money was there. 
So it was on my bank account waiting for to, you know, to do something with that. So I bought a camper van, never been camping before, never ever in my life. Only a short, short trip in Australia, but just with a board one. So, okay, I come back to Germany, put, got my camper van from, from the seller. And then I thought, okay, maybe a new experience, but I still need some spot where I can live. So I bought an apartment in, in North Germany from one day to the other. Everything I tell here is just a decision of minutes. It's never planned. It was never strategy, strategically planned or so. It was just a, a stomach decision, how you can say. Okay, I bought an apartment. I got the camper van. I moved everything I have left up here. I'm In the moment, I'm now north here. And then we were locked up, everybody of us, for a couple of months. We couldn't move anywhere. So, and I felt like being in prison. I wanted to be in Australia. I couldn't be anywhere. I, I felt like they're killing me. I can't do this. I need to get out here. I can't stay in my apartment. And I felt something in myself exploding, saying, no, never, not with me. I'm not going to obey. <laughs> I took my camper van in March and drove through the whole country, through Austria. They were fighting, or they were on the borders with uh, guns and, and uh panzers and everything that didn't want to let me in I said I'm transit you have to let me in so I was the only one possibly crossing the country at that time and the military was stopping me all the time I think four times I was stopped in about six hours and I went down to Croatia because I couldn't stand it anymore in, in the north part of Germany so I went down to Croatia and I was like you know coming to heaven they were all saying, hey, welcome, a tourist is coming. <laughs> At least I stood there a couple of months on a campground, on different campgrounds, and tried to work online, which was not a problem because the internet connection is very good in, in, uh, in Croatia. I had my LTE antenna on my rooftop. And then in summer, when everybody was able to go traveling, I moved back home because they were coming down like millions of people going down south, and I went up the other way. And then I said, oh, well, okay, summer here is nice, but I have to go again. <laughs> I have to leave. I can't stay here. I don't know. Something in myself says keep on moving. I don't know why, but I just kind of keep on moving. So I started in September just knowing I can go wherever I want to go and don't knowing where I stay, what to do, and so on. And meanwhile, some people were already looking for house sitters again in Europe. Very few people very brave people because <laughs> most of the people were stuck at home and not traveling. I said, okay, um, if I can apply for a house sit, I might try that in between of being in a camper van. So I applied to some house sits in France and some in Spain. And I got some really nice people, really nice house sits, very remote and usually very remote. And uh, so I combined kind of, I live online, I work online, I have my daily routine. I travel with my camper or I go to a house sit. So it's kind of the mixture between doing both. And uh, so on the road, I was seven months then. It was longer than I expected. So seven months on the road, but it was, I tell you, the coldest winter in my life. I never had such a cold winter like that one. I, was, I didn't expect South Europe to be that cold in winter. I mean, of course you can heat in the camper, but at night it gets really really cold even if you put out the heater you have to fill the gas every week and stuff like that it's really it's really tough 
it's, it's cold wind and the sun is not high enough to fill up uh, the solar panels. So it's a lot of things you have to work through at that moment. I never experienced before. And because I basically go off grid, I don't follow the tourism paths where the people go and, you know, you know, all the retired people, I'm not there. I thought, well, what can I do? Where can I stay? Where can I be not being with the other normal tourist? Because I don't figure myself as a normal person even, so I'm 56. But, well, so I started looking in Facebook and I found groups saying, oh, you can, you know, if you help for one or two hours a day on our farm or whatever, you can stay here for free. So I start cutting olive trees. I start helping in, in farms. I start even creating an on uh, online shop for somebody. So I did, did funny things too and met a lot of interesting people by staying at their places in my, in my camper van and helping them with projects. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, wow. Susanna. Wow, what a brilliant person you are. <laughs> then you're doing this all on your own as yeah. well. Um, no, no animals with me. Some, no, right. Women <laughs> prefer to have animals with them, but I don't have to. I look after them. There's a lot of questions coming up for me in, in, in terms of, um, you know, how you made those decisions. You said they were very, very quick. But, but I, I just I want to go back to the, the, the whole topic of house sitting, because mm. you know, being a professional house sitter, this, I guess, is a job now. Um, I wonder if you could explain it to, to anybody who doesn't know what a professional house sitter does. You know, what is well, it about? You mentioned well, a little bit about helping on a farm, but wh yeah. what else is involved in that? Well, looking, house sitter is nothing that you are paid for. Worldwide, there are organizations, you're on web pages, you never get paid for it. You pay for your fee from the web page, but you never get any payment from the house owners. Okay, so first thing, the thing that you get is free accommodation. That's all. You have to pay for your travel expenses. You have to pay for your food. You, you don't get anything else. Okay. So what, what are the expectations? Basically, is looking after the animals, the garden, the pool, um, the post, <laughs> the security. So you're full actually, you're full-time responsible, like in your own house. And if you're not mature enough and you don't speak the language and you're, you're not able to deal with circumstances, you are the wrong person. And if you're not brave, you are the wrong person. If you are not adventurous, you are the wrong person. Because you, you find a lot of circumstances, you never think about it before that. So house-sitting is really only for people that are very mature and able to, to deal with circumstances like I had no electricity, uh, the pool over flooding, uh, fire in places because of fire around, animals being sick. You know, maybe you have to, to kill an animal even so that in case if you are somewhere in the outback, which I had. I had a, a, to look after two horses and two dogs, and she gave me her gun. The first thing she said, look, this is a gun. You do some shots. Just in case our, one of the animals get bitten by a snake, please kill the animal. Don't call for the doctor. So this is things you have to do. You have to be able to do. And you, are not, you don't have to be scared to, to jump into circumstances that you never have met before. And so is there an international network of, yeah. um, of people sharing? Mm -hmm. So people who have houses to, yeah. um, to offer and people who want to? Yeah, it's them? not a network. It's actually, it's companies that already took over. In the beginning, it was a network. Now it's companies taking over and providing professional pages. You have pages especially for North America, for South America, for Australia, for Europe. You have international pages. But we had a really big problem with the house sitting. I mean, when I was talking about house sitting like I did before COVID, 
I could apply for a house sit and I had maybe a 50-50% chance to get it, right? Because maybe four or five people were applying. But now when you apply for a house sit, you have about a 10% chance to get it because there are not many people traveling or even if they travel, they're very scared and they don't take sitters that I have to come by plane or so because I never know would they ever reach out or not. So it's very difficult to get a house sit if you are not flexible in, in transport. And if you are, for example, if you have to look after four, five, six dogs or eight dogs or whatever, you can, cannot do it alone. I would never apply for a house sit like that because you have only two hands. You have only this and that capacity, capacity to do that. And I have to work on online as well. So you can't look for a big bunch of big family. You have to be a couple, right? So some people prefer couples and some people prefer singles. But basically, female singles, as quite a lot of out there, not everybody is capable to look, for example, like I do for horses. Most of them can't do that because they have no experience in horse carry, carry and, and horse riding or whatever. So you have to have a, a life experience with animals and with houses, of course. It's, it's a very big, tough job and it's not holiday. Like people say, oh, I make holiday. Look, I do house sitting. No, it's not holiday. <laughs> it's a big responsibility. So what does it give you? What is, what is the mission behind that kind of traveling? <clears throat> That's a good question. I very often get this question. Why do you do that? <laughs> why don't you just sit at home at your sofa and just enjoy your life? For me, a life is, is vibrant. Is, I can feel my life if I'm into situations that are not daily routine. I love to, to challenge myself. And I love to get, step out of the comfort zone. Because I know when I manage that, Nothing can happen that I, you know, will follow up that I cannot manage. And I had really weird situations, but I managed them. And I know in panic situations where most people get panic, I cool down. Very, I get very, very cool. And it's like, okay, count to 10, then panic. Not, no, it's not the right moment to panic. Just, you know, find the situ situation out here. And I know talking to myself, talking to my inner voice, I find a solution out of that. And why do I do that? Because I like to feel myself being alive. That's the reason why I do it. That's the only reason. I, I, not only by visiting different countries, seeing other areas, it's more like I like to feel myself being alive. And from all these experiences that so you've been traveling like for the past eight, 10 years, mm -hmm. what are the most important things that you've learned that you could share with us? Well, the most important things, I think, is um, that to go over the moment of fear, because you have moments where you are in fear. I had the situations quite a few times in the camper van, because I'm off grid. I don't, I don't uh, stay, you know, on comfort zones like camp areas or so. And you have noises at night. You have things that happen at night. You can't, you don't see what's actually happened. And I had situations where I know, shit, what's that? <laughs> fire next to me, big fire, big explosion. So shit, what's happening? You know, you don't see anything. It's, it's mist all around. So jump on front of the wheel in your, in your night suit, <laughs> not even shoes on and just go, <laughs> just move. Yeah. So um, the, the moments that you, you can't really, you can't really say what's happening the next day. You don't know what's happening the next moment. You just have to trust yourself. And being very connected with myself, because I don't 
you know, I'm not stuck in any conversation with people sitting next to me. Like when you travel as a couple, you talk about things in that. I don't do that. I'm very, very concentrated on, on exploring what's happening outside of me and inside of me. And this is basically what I can give everybody. If you want to listen to yourself, you have to listen to your surrounding and then you feel exactly what your feeling is. And to overcome those feelings is a technique. It's only a technique because I know I create the feeling. And if I know I create the feeling, I can discreate that, isn't it? Because it comes out of me. Nobody else did it. It's, it's mine, right? And this is the main process I go through when I'm into situations which were not, I didn't see them before. And I had those situations, of course. And do you think then, Susanna, that this connection with yourself has allowed you to make those instant decisions that you talked about at the beginning when you said you just bought this camper van you sold one apartment and bought another one without mm -hmm. hardly even thinking about it so would is that something that you wouldn't have done previously it would have been a long process to think about it and has this changed you or maybe you can I think say the older the older I got the more adventurous I got I mean when you're younger you do things not thinking about it you just do it because you don't have any bad experience in life so you just do it but big decisions that have to do with money or with changing the area where you choose to live or not to live, the older you get, um, the, the normally the more inside your comfort zone you are. You usually don't do that, you know, because of you have to ask your friends, your family, blah, 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 blah. I don't have all of this. So I just can ask myself and question myself. And it doesn't make it better if I think about it right if I make a list positive negative blah 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 takes me too much time <laughs> and deciding from one moment to the other was basically listening to my inner voice and uh, I trust my inner voice I know exactly it's it always knows the best thing even so I don't see the result now I maybe know it in two years or in three years why I did that step and being in the camper last winter in Spain and having this mixture between not very much comfort zone down there because the houses were cold, the camper was cold, but I could open the door and I was out and I was in sunny regions. I could at least have the sun for a couple of hours. I could go and for a walk. I was free. Nobody was asking me where to go, what to do. And this made it worse doing it. So I knew one and a half year later why I did it. I bought the camper van <laughs> to have this moment of free liberty living, which I definitely wouldn't have had if I just would have stood where I am in my apartment and just lived my ordinary life. Nothing of that would have happened, right? So you say you are in, let's say, in constant conversation with your inner voice and you listen to yourself and, and to your gut feeling and that's how you make decisions. So is loneliness a foreign concept to you well loneliness and being alone is something totally different mm -hmm. loneliness is a feeling of i'm i feel lonely like you know there's nobody else i never have this feeling and being alone is a decision in the moment of traveling right of course i would love to have somebody to travel with with his own camper and just you know share experiences yeah why not but as long as this person is not in my life, I travel alone, but I never feel lonely. 
because there's so much around me. I just, you just have to go out and open your ears and you hear the insects, you hear the birds, you hear maybe the, the wind through the, the trees or whatever. You are not alone. You, you are surrounded by so many things. You have just to, to, to feel them again, not being observed by different things like television or whatever you, you, you spend your time with all the time. Of course, I have to do my work and of course I'm online and of course I need my computer and I work with that. But in the meantime, I try to connect with nature. I don't feel lonely in that moment because I feel blessed to be in nature and have so many possibilities to explore these areas. And if I do house sit, the animals push me out. This is one of the, another reason why I do house sitting because if I have dogs, I tell you, they want to go out twice a day and they don't accept any um, saying, oh, today's raining or oh, no, I don't want to. I need to go out, let's go out here. <laughs> so the animals push me away from the computer. This is the reason why I love house sitting because they give me you know, the reason to move my ass out of you know, the room, go out. You know, even the horses, you know, move my horses, go out and, and work with the horses or go house riding, whatever. The cats, they would come and cuddle at night. That's nice. <laughs> so, so I'm not really alone. And it's always like you always know, it's only in our brain. When we are always surrounded by so many things in life, even with other people. If I want to communicate, I walk to the neighbor and talk to them. If I don't want to, I don't need to. Talking about other people, Susanna, what do other people think of your lifestyle? And does that have any influence on how you live your life? Well, um, I was always a little bit different. I think from my childhood on, my mother always said, where's our daughter? She's not there where she should be. I was somewhere else talking to other people. I'm, you know, yeah, my lifestyle is kind of, it's different. Yeah. But in the moment, um, because I decided to make it more public to my community as well, they, they participate on that and they are asking me questions and, and they are really interested in how I do it, why I do it. And um, in the beginning, I didn't dare to talk too much about it. So I, I did hide it a little bit saying, no, you know, I'm just traveling. I better don't tell you what to do. But now it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's like normal to talk about it. And even my customers, which are in really big, big companies, they're interested. And the first thing when they see me again, asking, where are you? <laughs> Can you open your camera? Tell us something about where you are. So it's, it's getting more and more normal in a way that if the more normal I treat it, the more normal that people can take it. And if I found out if I hide too much, it's not a good thing. Of course, not my personal things, but, you know hiding meaning like being in a camper van or doing a house sit or whatever so it's the more normal it is for me the more normal it is for them but and then it's kind of being a role model I had some of my uh, trainees asking me well really you're working from a camper this is my big dream we have to talk one-to-one -one. I want to know more so uh, as me as a senior female traveler which is really like you know being a role model really like grandmothers telling you how to do this <laughs> uh, I love that yeah the more normal it, you view it yourself and the more normal you talk about it then the more normal it, it appears for, for other Absolutely. people that's a nice way of dealing with it um yeah so you mentioned you've got clients there so I guess this is how you're financing your lifestyle yeah. like you do yeah, online yeah. 
I way. tell you, yeah, yeah. I do this since many years and it's working quite well. I mean, it has its ups and downs like normal business has, but as I'm um, professional in one way, this is working for me very well. And I do my online trainings. I have everyday trainings coming in and uh, people scheduling me. And uh, this works very well, but this works only because it's an online community. So it's kind of online community business, online working, right? And yeah, this was the step I was deciding to take in 2009. I decided to do that. And I was the first in Germany doing it. And then I continued developing it and putting it more digital. And then I started to do house sitting. So this kind of, it was a, a process bringing my business into digital business. And how do you see your life developing if that's not too big a question I mean your, your decisions are very last minute aren't they they're kind of like whatever comes up next I'll deal with it mm. but do you have some kind of plan well um, yeah in the moment my big plan is to get to get back to Australia in winter I really I, I was really looking at a post uh, three days ago somebody telling me yeah I can get into Australia going via Queensland they're not asking for any vaccination passport or so so I can go which is a good for me a good sign that things are going to develop in Australia because my car is waiting for me, <laughs> my little old car, and I want to see my friends again. And um, and a bigger plan is I would love to find a travel partner, somebody being with his own camper van and just having a lifestyle like me because it's nice to travel with two people. Um, I experienced this with a friend of mine. She has a, a van like me, and we were having some good times together in spring last year. And it was nice, you know, she was working in her camper, I was working in my camper. And uh, for lunchtime, we said, okay, today I do something or she said, something. we sat out of in the campers, we had lunch together, we had a coffee together, we chat a little bit, and then everybody went back into camper working. And at night can, okay, let's go out for a, a drink, or, you know, let's go for a walk, or we do some yoga in the morning. So it's nice to have somebody, you know, being closer not that close in my camper I wouldn't like that <laughs> it's not too big but you're at least a travel partner um, who has same lifestyle right mm. so works online life loves to travel that would be something I would really love to have but you know I can't order him at the universe I mean I tried yesterday but <laughs> so so if this perfect person then Susanna is listening to this podcast and would like to get in touch with you how, yeah. how would how would he or she do that oh that's not so easy isn't it <laughs> <laughs> you're on LinkedIn I guess oh yes but uh, I would prefer my my uh, little private house sitter page which is my private life so I wouldn't do this on the professional way because this is business and this is private stuff I can send you my link to my um, my web page if you want to this is 50 like 50 50 plus minus travel minus life.com which okay. is my little house sitter page all right <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put that in the show notes then Susanna uh, maybe great. someone will get in touch with you yeah great great, great. And if they find their race through, if they find me on LinkedIn as well, but <laughs> it's not really because business is different than you know, okay. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. We've got one more question to ask you, Susanna, and that's to do with the name of our podcast, which is Audaciousness. And the audacious parts relates to you having the audacity to do the thing that you do in the first place. And the word ness actually has an archaic meaning, which refers to a spit of land which juts out into the sea and remains strong and standing no matter what the elements and the weather is throwing at it. So our final question to you is, what is it that keeps you strong and standing 
gives you the solid grounding to continue despite everything that life throws at you? Hmm. That's a really good question. I was thinking of the lighthouse that I use as my banner picture because the lighthouse has to stand there as well, you know, being, you know, there and <laughs> sending signals. What does it do? Well, I don't, I, I don't really, can, I can't really tell you. It's a trust in myself. It's more the trust that I know I find every, everything I can deal with. So there's a lot that I had to go through in my life. Of course, we have all our stories. And the, the more difficult the experience was and the deeper and more painful the experience was, the more it made me standing up. And uh, well, I, I don't need this experience anymore. <laughs> they were tough enough in the uh, former time. But I think only living in a, in, a, in a surrounding that's nice and easy and comfort and blah, 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 it doesn't really strengthen you. It's like with the muscles. If you don't train the muscles, you don't have muscles. So I feel quite trained in, in surviving and having a, a lifestyle that's maybe unusual. And this centers me. So I trust myself. I know I know I can do this. And if I, if I don't know exactly how to do that, I know whom I can ask. That's a lovely response. Thank Beautiful. you so much, Susanna. I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you in this Thank conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And good luck with the next stage of your life. Thank you very much. You too. <laughs> Thank you. So that was an interesting discussion with Susanna there. Listening to that again, Helen, what are some of the key things you're taking away from it? Um, yeah, so when she was talking about her nomadic lifestyle, I, I, I was reminded about a kind of a trip that I did a few years ago. It's coming up to 10 years ago now where uh, we took off, um, my husband and I, for six months around Europe on our motorbikes mm. with um, with just the tent, you know, and we were camping in different places. And we um, we basically went for, yeah, quite a few miles um, around um, Europe, right up to Norway in the north to Gibraltar in the south. Wow. And, and so what she was saying about getting out of your routine and kind of pushing your comfort zone and, and always being on guard, that reminded me of what what it was like when I was doing this this little tour that we did because it's true when you when you when you live somewhere you know in a in a house or wherever it is that you live you kind of get stuck into these routines I mean you know humans are creatures of habit and we and we tend mm. to like routines because they mm. make our our lives a little bit easier we don't have to make a decision um, about all of the little things that we do every day and so coming out of that routine, I really felt this is this is what I felt that was happening with us when we when we did our tour. So I could really relate to what she was saying about that. And, and I, I feel that, you know, being always on your guard can be quite stressful for for some people. But like Susanna, I found it quite peaceful, you know, not knowing what was going to come up next, but being in the moment and mm. just accepting 
you know, whatever comes up is what's meant to happen. And then you have to just deal with it at, at the same time. And actually, the very last podcast episode that we recorded with with Philip Kay, he said exactly the same, you know, accidents happen in life, and you have to be in the moment in order to, to live with it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so what that was coming up for me, you know, having plans and having security is, is a good thing. But getting out there you know pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and living a nomadic lifestyle is is one way that you can do that really puts you out of this routinized way of living and into a place where you are forced to live in the moment and accept whatever life throws at you and whatever comes up for you so that was I would say a big thing that came up for me how about you, Maribel? Um, well, before I get into that, I'm really curious about something I want to ask you, Helen. And that is during those six months that the two of you were on the road, wh- what were the things that you learned that you can't learn when, when you're at home? Oh, God, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would say things like learning. Um, my, uh, so... Susanna mentioned about fear, you know, having having no fear, being able to know or have the confidence to know that whatever comes up, you can deal with it. You know, mm. Susanna mentioned that, you know, that she has a panic situation and she counts to 10 and says, don't panic. I need to deal with this. So whatever comes up, you know that you just have to deal with it. You know, there's there's no way of saying I'm not going to deal with this because if you want to continue moving on, you, you have to be able to deal with it. And I'm racking my brains trying to think of situations that had happened, but I really feel that we, when we were traveling, we were in such the, of the mentality of we're going to deal with whatever comes up that only good things actually did come up. Everything worked for us. You know, the ferries that we had booked all left on time and we arrived on time and we planned everything. So there weren't any major catastrophes that, you know, occasionally something went wrong with regard to, Um, a motorbike needed repairing you know something happened with one of the motorbikes and we had to stay in a place a little bit longer than we had planned because we had to wait for some parts to come but there's nothing nothing major that came up and and so you just deal with it whatever comes up you you just deal with it and I think probably that is what I learned and I'm getting the impression as well that that's what Susanna learned that we do you know humans can just if we put ourselves in those situations, learn to deal with whatever life throws at us. And so that's probably what I would say would be the main thing that I learned from, from being a nomad for, you know, only six mm. months. But, um, but yeah, that's what I would learn. Well, six months is uh, quite a, a long time, I'd say, for, uh, for I've never done, done that so long. The longest I've done something like that is just three weeks. So, yeah, that's why, why I was curious, because confidence, that was the first thing that came to mind. The being outside of your routine and having to, to be okay with the unpredictability to an extent to, an extent to what's going to happen each day forces you to deal with things that arise and then you deal with them successfully probably most of the time and then that gives you the feedback oh I can deal with a lot of things that I didn't plan 
with, and um, I'm convinced that that uh, increases your your self confidence, just doing things that you were not counting on having to deal with. And the other thing that I know from the kind of trips that that I've been on is that during the time that you're on the road, it's like you live life to to the tenth potence. You know, mm-hmm. like. It could even be like a short weekend trip. Whatever happens from Friday to to Sunday, it, it would take like three weeks during your regular life for to accumulate the kind of like the new impressions that you get because mm. you're somewhere else. And uh, it's ah, I know what the right word is. It's intense. <laughs> it's a lot more intense than waking up in the same bed and yeah. getting the same coffee and going through your routine which is it's really good knowing that you have some security it really depends from one person to another how much uncertainty you enjoy but definitely that is a a good exercise to put yourself in in uncertain situations so that doesn't scare you so much. Definitely, yeah. And and one thing that's coming up for me as you're saying, as you're talking about the intensity of, of so much happening within a couple of days, is this has probably happened happened to you as well. That you know you're 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 talking about something that that you did on the one day, and then you realise that something happened just yesterday, and you're like, was that just yesterday? It yeah, like it was a week. <laughs> <laughs> that was just oh that was just this morning it seems like an eternity ago so time you know this is a, a time is a strange concept anyway that I think time seems to I don't know is it speed up or slow down or it definitely changes you know if you're living a kind of routinized lifestyle compared to living this more exciting lifestyle or as Susanna said um being alive you know she likes to feel herself being alive so yeah time changes then doesn't it yeah exactly that's what I was thinking about when you uh when when I was saying about talking about being intense and you saying so many things happen and uh that's exactly what Susanna said when I'm traveling I feel alive and now I I I can connect the dots and think well yes of course I mean when she said it it totally resonated with me because it's the same Mm. and it's precisely because of that because not everything is planned not every day is the same like I go to work at nine and come back home at five and then we have dinner and then I do this and do that and and it's so predictable and just one thing probably might be different and that's the highlight of your day (laughs) and when when you're traveling like the whole day is a highlight Uh, and that's that's great yeah. And and what I found um, particularly interesting about Susanna's lifestyle, which was which was different to the six month trip that I did because we were a couple, me and my husband. So we always had each other. You know, we were living out of each other's pockets, basically in a tent uh, for, mm-hmm. for six months. But what Susanna said um, about doing it on her own. I thought was really interesting. So she talked about being able to, you know, go in on yourself and discover more about yourself because you don't have, you know, this incessant conversation, for example, that you may have with somebody else. And that as a, as a result of that, you really learn to trust in yourself um, and Mm -hmm. in something much bigger than yourself as well. I would probably argue listening to your inner voice as Susanna 
talked about, you know, being confident of your own choices, which then led her to be able to suddenly make those snap decisions, you know, of major purchases in her life, like the camper van or that of the other apartment that she she bought, because she was so confident about her her choices because she was able to go in on herself and listen to um, her inner voice. And I thought that that was quite a realization, I think, for me, that I haven't spent a lot of time completely on my own like that. Um, Mm. But yeah, there's certainly a lot to be said about spending time with yourself. Absolutely. As you're explaining it, I'm thinking that that's it. That's why um, traveling on your own is such a major thing because I mean it's very nice to travel your with your partner or to travel with a friend because well that's also intense and you get to know each other in a different way but when you're alone that conversation is not with somebody else but that conversation is with yourself mm. you're alone with your own thoughts so Definitely, that is an exercise that connects you with yourself and makes you ask questions or you have to make decisions and it forces you to choose. So what 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 do I like? In which direction do I want to go? You don't need to compromise with anyone, which is what you need to do with if you're traveling with somebody Mm -hmm. else. Right. And it's just all these questionings will help you find out, well, who am I and what do I like and what do I want to do now? I think that's the one thing that's beautiful about traveling on your own and even I would say therapeutic. And the second thing is that when you're traveling alone and probably you don't look like a criminal, people would talk to you Mm -hmm. and then you can create new connections, you know, just when you're having lunch or, and and then you can strike a conversation with someone who you don't know. And I think those connections, even if they are just like for 15 minutes, I think they enrich you and the probability that they happen when you're together with somebody else, I would say are lower. Yeah, I would agree. It seems to be much more, much easier to meet people when you're alone than when you're traveling as a couple. Yeah, definitely. And and yet, even though you are alone, and Susanna said this, she's never lonely. And so, you know, because you've got yourself, you've got the conversations that you have with yourself, but because mm. you've got nature around you as well, you know, you can get so much solace from nature and 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 from knowing that you're never you're never really alone. You know, there's so much out there. And I just thought it was lovely that she said, yeah, she's she's often alone, but she never feels lonely. Yes, I, I think I asked her a question exactly uh, around that. And it's, it's a, a super important difference. Being alone can be fantastic. And, and we've already mentioned the benefits of spending time on your own and lonely. That's different. You can be lonely in a crowded city. Oh, definitely. There's one final thing that I, that I want to mention, and that's to do with, because this is an, an unusual lifestyle, you know, nowadays, being mm-hmm. quite being nomadic nowadays. And what I thought was interesting was the way that Susanna at first, you know, she said she didn't used to tell people what she did, you know, that she was house sitting or, or, or traveling. But now she just normalizes what she does. And if you normalize it, you know, in yourself, if you just say to people, this is what I do, 
you know, then other people accept that that this is quite a normal way, well, whatever the word normal means, that this is one way of living and needn't be considered unusual. And I just thought that was a really interesting way. So, I mean, this is a advice to anybody who wants to do something audacious, I guess, is to say, this is it. This is this is my normal life. And to sell it as that and not try to hide what you're doing because it seems to be a little bit unusual, you know, in the rest of society. So I thought that was a lovely way of a lovely perspective of looking at it. Mm, yeah. If you communicate it in a way that sounds awkward, like it's not okay, then other people will sense that. And and um, I'm sure that they would then ask questions. Oh, like, really? You do that? But if you say, well, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I have a blast doing that. I doubt anyone would dare say anything negative about it. But I mean, I think she, um, Susanna is at a point in her life with so much self-confidence and experience that she is being authentically herself and If you want to be part of her tribe or part of her circle, you're welcome. And if you if you don't want to, then you just go on. She's probably perfectly fine with whatever decision other people make. Exactly. And such an inspiration for others as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of our podcast, Audaciousness. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. A huge thanks to Susanna for sharing her fascinating story of leading a nomadic off-grid lifestyle with us. Thank you, Susanna. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. If you think someone else would benefit from listening to this conversation, please pass it on to them and share it with your friends and family and colleagues. And if you know of any other audacious people, including yourself, get in touch with us as we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in two weeks with another audacious guest and another audacious episode. See you then. Bye. Bye.